Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, how was that for a weekend of NCAA basketball? Putting the madness into March. So many upsets. The lower seats coming through. The little-name schools. They don't have the big football money, and they're winning anyway. We don't quite have the Sweet 16 set. Unusual format this year. I think I like it a little better. I think I'd rather have a, a Saturday through Tuesday tournament. Get the, the, the games, the matchups for that week where there are the most games on the weekend, where the most people can see them. Why not? So, BYU and Utah State are out. That didn't take long, did it? I think the teams are losing. There's a couple reasons you lose. One, mentally, you're not quite tough enough. You don't expect to win. You hope to win. And two, you can't shoot it. There it is. <laughs> Those are the two reasons most teams go down. The willpower and the shooting. You know, no matter how mentally tough you are, what really matters is you're mentally tougher than the other guy. Do you really expect to win? Will you really push through? Oral Roberts could have just folded. And they didn't. They fought back. You know, Florida, big-name school, all the money, all the hype, all the recruits, all that kind of stuff. You know, the recruiting thing in basketball really gets offset because so many of the power schools are losing kids after their freshman and sophomore years. And they're not playing their juniors and seniors because they've recruited the next young, big young thing, and he's got to play. And, you know, the get old, stay old, it's the equalizer. And I I think we're seeing this. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for any of the teams that I have any relationship with whatsoever. You know, my dad's almost mater san diego state went out in the first round my alma mater ucsb went out in the first round my son's alma mater georgetown went out in the first round the local teams here byu and utah state went out in the first round moral of the story i'm the cooler baby you ever see that movie with william h macy i tweeted about it yesterday casinos employing him he would sit down next to people who were on a roll and they would uh and they'd automatically start losing hilarious concept Anyway, for BYU, what went wrong? How did it go wrong? What happened? Mark Pope, as beaten down and as low energy as I think I've ever seen him in front of a camera and a microphone. And I think it's because you just put so much into it, and you have such high hopes, but they just couldn't shoot the three. Three of 17 is a spectacularly, a spectacularly bad day shooting. And as Jerry Sloan once said, when somebody asked me about Carl, Carl Malone not scoring, you know, is he trying? He's like, listen, nobody tries to miss baskets, okay? It doesn't matter if you're a kid shooting by yourself or if you're in the NBA playoffs or high school game, a rec league game, a church ball game, the NCAA tournament, you're not trying to miss shots. But they would not go in no matter how hard BYU tried. 3 of 17. You make a few of those, you change momentum. Obviously, you got a few more points. But it didn't happen, and BYU is one and done again. They haven't been to the round of 32 since they had Jimmer, and that's the only two times they've been to the round of 32 in the last 25 years. So high hopes, and, and the thing is when you rely on the transfer portal as much as Mark Pope does, you know, Harms is gone. Uh, he said that afterwards. Barcelo, you know, is a senior. I mean, guys can come back, but, you know, a lot of basketball players have a chance to play overseas and make money, and, and so they tend to go. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but uh, – you know, they, they put so much of themselves into it. Here's Mark Pope, and, and you'll hear the low energy. Here he is right after the game. Mark, wanted to ask you just about the shooting, 3 of 17 from beyond the arc. Do you feel like you guys got good looks and just didn't make them? What would you make of the shooting? Um, yeah, uh, you know, clearly we, we didn't shoot the ball well from the three-point line or the free-throw line. Um, you know, credit UCLA for that, uh, putting pressure on us and, 
um, they had us on our heels, um, you know, for so, some substantial part of the first half. And, uh, and, and, you know, it happens sometimes. We, you know, we've been able to overcome nights like that before this season. Uh, we just we just couldn't overcome it tonight, and so, so we'll, we'll get we'll get better. But there's a you know um, there's going to be nights on occasion where you you don't shoot the ball well, and we you know we have answers. We can still win games. We just we just didn't didn't get it done tonight. As a reminder to our attendees, please use the raise hand function. Our next question comes from Mitch Harper. Mitch, your line is open. Yeah, Mark, uh, how, how big of a setback was it for your team to cut the deficit to four and then at the next stoppage find you silly back up double digits? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I was really proud of my guys in the second half. Uh, they kept they kept fighting and uh, kept, kept trying to chip away and that's the, that's this that's this locker room. It's what they've been all year, um, and in some crucial moments, we just couldn't come up with stops. Um, you know, Johnny was a, a handful tonight, and we didn't have answers for him. And you know, there's uh, you know UCLA can be so um, meticulous with their and, and demonstrative with their pace of play, and so it, you know it makes it hard to claw back in. And, we, um, you know, we, we, we've, uh, you know, it's just, it's a game. It's March. It happens. And, um, you know, they, like I said, credit UCLA, they played great and, and we just couldn't quite get over the hump. Our next question comes from Norma Gonzalez. Norma, your line is now open. Hey, Coach, what is something that you can take away from this game that will help you start moving on to next season? Um, well, the game teaches you all the time how you need to get better. And um, and so there's a, there's a number of things that we can take from this game to get better. Uh, I'm not really there right now. I think um, it's a hard locker room right now. I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we have to be here this tournament. And uh, I'm, I'm personally so uh, so humbled and grateful that I get to be in in that locker room with those guys. They're extraordinary young men. And um, down the line, they all sacrificed so much for each other. And um, they fought really hard to try and learn how to love each other. And, and, um, you know, I, so I don't know. I mean, I'll, 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 we'll, we'll piece away the basketball stuff. Um, it's just hard. It's hard to do that right now. Uh, with, with, with what I got in that locker right now, a bunch of dudes that are um, brokenhearted and, you know, I think as much as anything, just devastated that they don't get to play uh, together again. Uh, you know, when you forge a bond that these guys work so hard, it doesn't come by accident. When you work as hard as, as, as these guys do to forge the bond that they have with one another, um, it's, it is, um, it's devastating to know that you're not going to be in a, in a locker room together again in the same form. And so 
I'm not sure about the basketball stuff. You know, we got to deal with 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 our guys first. Our next question comes from Jeff. Call Jeff. Your line is open. Mark, could you kind of assess uh, the performance of your seniors, not just tonight, but just uh, what they meant to this team this season? Yeah. I mean, again, um, what a gift, you know, you, 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 for anybody that's um, managing or leading or coaching any organization um, to have three extraordinary young men like Matt Harms and Brandon A. Red and Alex Barcelo, you know, leading, uh, you know, what they did on the court is, is incredibly impressive. What they accomplished this year is incredibly impressive. Their numbers are all super impressive, but um, what they did in terms of um, bonding and binding hearts and minds together in a locker room and, and finding a way to come every day and work hard and, finding a way to build a team that's better than anybody thought that they were going to be. Um, they're great human beings and they're going to do great things in their lives. Um, and, and it's super humbling to be able to, to witness that. So uh, I'm so grateful for those guys. I don't know if we're going to have three dudes walk through our doors um, that are quite like these guys, but they're special human beings. I believe we have a follow-up question from Mitch Harper. Mitch, your line is open. Mark, we saw it be a uh, pretty emotional coming off the floor. You've, you've noted it as well. But what was your message to the team in the post-game locker room moments after the final horn? There's no message, guys. There's no message to make it better. Um, or at least I don't have it. You know, sometimes you come to the end of a season and, and um, you have – guys that are exhausted and frustrated and fatigued and ready for it to be over. And that's not, that's not our locker room. So that makes it doubly hard. Um, there's no words that I can say that make that better. Uh, I just told the guys how much I love them and how grateful I am to, for them to allow me the privilege of pushing them as hard as we push them and, and ask them for as much as we ask them for so it's, you know, there's, there's, I don't have any better words of wisdom than that. We'll unpack everything. These guys, uh, they, they live to respond to, uh, adversity. They, 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 um, they, they're experts at getting back up off the mat and, and, uh, moving on and making great things happen. And I know that this locker room will do that. And I know these young men in to do that, but um, there's going to be some mourning and some grieving that goes on. And we'll do that together. Just like we competed in one games together this year. Coach, our last question is a follow-up from Jake Hatch. Jake, your line is open. Yeah, Mark, kind of building off that question just barely, though. But as you consider the totality of this season, what you guys have gone through all year long, do you just have any overall thoughts on what they endured just to get to this point? Um, I don't know. Yeah, um, you know. I don't know how, how much we talk. We probably talk about this all the time, guys. But, 
Um, these guys accomplish extraordinary things. I mean, they're a top 25 team. They're, you know, metrically astounding. They've probably made the biggest jump from their ranking in the preseason to the end of the season as big a jump as any team in the country. Um, you know, they've, you know, won huge game after huge game after huge game. Um, they came every single night and every single day in practice ready to go. Uh, you know, they've, they took a eclectic collection of guys from all over with all different backgrounds. Uh, they had played together and, and they forged a really special team. And, um, you know, so, so, so many accomplishments, but again, the, you know, the, that's all the stuff that's good for you guys and good for me. Um, what these guys did that's so spectacular that nobody's going to understand. I mean, I'll keep saying it, but nobody's going to understand is, um, is these guys formed a relationship, the likes of which you rarely have in your life and, and, um, with each other. And, um, and that, like I said, I said over and over, that doesn't just happen. That comes because guys work at it and sacrifice for it. And so I care about wins and losses. I care about numbers and I care about all those things. And all those things are super important. And these, this team accomplished incredible things. Uh, you know, again, they're walking out of this season with a pocket full of records and, and incredible accomplishments and, and huge contributions to BYU basketball, to the history of BYU basketball, some great things. But at the end of the day, all that stuff is fine. But um, they, they got, they got, They got something that's way deeper and way more important than any of those things. They got each other. And um, if you don't understand what I mean, I understand. I get it. But it just is, you know, so I don't know if that answers your question. All right, there is Mark Pope after BYU gets knocked out. And we got eight more games today. Got the BYU women coming up at 10 a.m. today. They're an 11 seed playing six seeded Rutgers. They got an in at large. That one's on ESPNU at 10 o'clock if you want to watch it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert. Talking, uh, talking all things jazz and talking about defense. And uh, was that Wizards lost a turning point? We'll hear from Rudy next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz should be rested and I don't know about relaxed that seems like a little too much but they had two days off they they had Saturday off they had to travel they uh they practiced Sunday Rudy Gobert met with the media after practice uh they play the Bulls tonight to wrap up a five-game road trip they're two and two on this trip it's been a struggle is the arrow up every time they win a game we think is the arrow up I assume at some point they're going to get on a roll again they got a lot of home games schedules getting softer not right away because Brooklyn is coming to town Wednesday and the Nets are obviously very good but they got the Bulls, and this is a winnable game. Now, the question is, will they defend? Because it's all about the defense. 
You know, when the Jazz give up less than 100 points this year, they're undefeated. They're 10 and 0. When they give up 100 to 109 points, they're 13 and 1. That is 23 and 1 if they hold teams under 110 points. You get above that, that 110 to 119 range, they're 5 and 3. You get to 120 or more, now they're 2 and 7. They got to defend. And when the defense gets slipshod, when they get beat in transition, uh, when guys are you know caught standing still, turning their heads, getting beat on back cuts, all that easy kind of stuff, they start giving up the easy points. You know the difference between one and one hundred five, and one eighteen or one twenty three. It's a couple possessions a quarter, but it's definitely the difference between winning and losing. We're forty one games into the Jazz season. This would be half of a normal season. This is seventy two games, not eighty two, so we're well past the halfway point. But you get the point. 41 games in, the trends are clear. They're a very good team when they give up less than 110 points. Simple as that. So Rudy Gobert addressed a lot of that and talked a lot. Uh, you'll hear him talk about the Wizards' loss, a turning point. You guys basically looking in the mirror and not, seeing, not, like, not liking what they see. He also talks about his hip and uh, says it's just a bruise. I would expect he'd play if he can play Saturday and with two days off. He'll get into that. Here's Rudy Gobert. Rudy, on, on the heels of... You know, to win on Friday night, how important is it for you guys uh, to try to close this road trip off um, w- with a win considering, you know, the, the schedule that's ahead of you guys? It's uh, for us, it's just one game at a time. You know, every – I thought last game was a very important win for us. You know, those guys played really hard and, you know, they really wanted to win. And, um, you know, we – they came out ready, and uh, we did too. And you know, we we got it for the for the the whole game, and it was a big win for us. So we want to keep building on that, especially defensively. And uh, you know, every night until the playoffs, every night is going to be a an opportunity for us to keep building our our identity defensively and uh, and keep getting better. Chris and Kenny, Just TV. Hey, Rudy. Over the last month, you guys have had one home game which is crazy to even think of that. And of course, you know, you guys who participated in the All-Star, I mean, really it's been just a grind. Can you put into perspective just the mental and physical challenges during this last month? I mean, it's, it's kind of like you, we know that uh, right now uh, it's our last long uh, Eastern road trip. So we knew that uh, this stretch particularly was going to be uh, probably tough physically and mentally. And, uh, you know, I think we all, uh, we all embrace that. We all know that, uh, you know, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to eat right. We have to try to, try to get as much sleep as we can and, uh, and take care of ourselves mentally and, uh, and physically. And uh, we know that uh, those games are also great tests for us mentally. You know, when you're a little tired, uh, when you're a little beat up, um, you need to bring something else to the table and, when I talk about communication and and being connected, it's those things that we know that, you know, when we're tired, if we're able to do those things, then when we when we are fresh, you know, it's going to be even better. And it's, uh, you know, it's a long season. We knew before the season started that it was going to be a, a little less uh, days without games. And, uh, you know, we, we know that, uh, you know, it's going to be like that until the until the, the playoffs and, and probably during the playoffs too. So, you know, we just got to keep taking care of ourselves and uh, keep getting better. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Rudy, after the game, after the loss to the Wizards, uh, you and um, many other players and Quinn were all 
um, a little frustrated with the slip that you guys had had defensively. And you guys talked about, you know, communication being a big part of that needing to get back to communicating more and helping each other. Do you guys talk about that? Like, do the players talk to each other and say like, we need to refocus or how do you guys approach that? We do. I mean, we, we try to, you know, especially before the game uh, and during the game, during timeouts and stuff. Uh, I mean, as a leader, I, I try to, you know, make sure I keep communicating with my teammates, um, keep reminding them how important it is to to communicate. And, uh, you know, and I, and I think uh, that Weasel's game really, when we, we all kind of looked at ourselves and we, we realized that the picture I was looking at was ugly. So we, I think he woke us up in a way, you know, and uh, and we saw that that wasn't the team that we wanted to be. You know, we want to be a team that uh, takes every single defensive possession uh, seriously and uh, that doesn't want to give anything easy away to the other team and a team that plays together. And, uh, you know, we we were about to come, come in, Toronto, in uh, against Toronto and... Uh, and we had a great defensive game. You know, they 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 hit some shots, and we still, you know, we we stayed with it, uh, and we were able to to win this game. So that's the team we want to be, and I think we there is no doubt about it. You know, now it, within the group, uh, and uh, it's on every single one of us to keep doing the little extra effort uh, for the team and for one another. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Ray, I don't know if you saw Ben Simmons' comments on kind of his defensive player of the year candidacy. And, and basically he was saying that because he is a versatile defender, because he can guard multiple positions, um, that he he felt he was more valuable than you, who, you know, as a rim protector. And I, I'm just kind of curious what your your thought is on kind of that that versatile defender versus a rim protector and kind of how you can like compare the value of those very different defensive roles. I mean, to me, it's um, there's a lot of very good defenders in this league, and uh, you know, uh, I don't want really to spend my time looking at other guys, but but you know, to me, it's about impact. It's about uh, how much how much impact you can have on the court, and how much impact you can have on your teammates, and and at the end of the day, how much impact you can have on your team and and on the on the other team, you know. And uh, it's not about being cute. It's not about you know looking good. Uh, it's not about narratives, you know. It's not about you know uh, having a big name. It's about you know coming out every single night, trying to you know grind defensively and have that impact on the game. And you know, there's a lot of uh, now we have a uh, thankfully we have a lot of advanced statistics. We have a lot of ways to measure uh, somebody's impact, you know. And uh, you know that's why when when people uh, you know, kind of campaign for themselves. I think it's great, you know, but uh, for me, just being worried about uh, my team, uh, how can I, you know, have my team every single night and how can we keep getting better as a team? And, you know, when uh, when the season ends, the best defender is going to win it. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Rudy. So you discussed kind of the, the increased, the need for increased communication between you know, a after the Wizards game, uh, you know, after that game, you'd mentioned being pretty unhappy with the effort after the Raptors game, you know, it seemed like everyone was a lot happier. Is it as simple as better communication or were there other things involved kind of 
what what was the difference between one game to the next? I think the effort, you know, our toughness, uh, toughness. We're way more physical, you know. Everyone, uh, I felt like individually we we had some pride against the Raptors. You know, guys didn't didn't want to get beat off the dribble. Guys weren't giving up on the plays. We were running back defensively. Uh, we all had that feeling that whenever they scored, it kind of, it kind of hurt us a little bit. And uh, against the Wizards, it was like they scored, but it's okay. We're going to try to score. Uh, it's our turn now. And, you know, we just play kind of like pickup game. And that's not the way we, we want to play. And when we all have that individual pride, you know, and obviously it carries on to the team. And, you know, and we can be a... Uh, I think the greatest defensive teams uh, are teams of uh, of tough guys, you know, just tough guys that have pride. And, you know, I think we have that. You know, we just can't get distracted by, you know, the the, the points and uh, and not try to foul or, you know, and or when we're tired, you know, try to save ourselves. Uh, you know, when we all play that way, you know, just the team just does this and, I don't know how many points we score off our defense, but, you know, when we get those stops uh, and we're able to run, uh, you know, we get easy shots and it makes everything easy, you know, on the shooters, on myself, uh, and we, we're having fun. Follow-up from Chris and Kenny. Rudy, Joe uh, just seems to continue to get better with age. I mean, you look at what he's doing this year. You've known him for such a long time. Can you just speak to what he's bringing you guys this year, and then also his versatility. I mean, Joe, is, it's kind of been the, the, the glue within our team. You know, the guy that tries to do every single thing he can do to to help his teammates and to impact the game. And, you know, uh, whether it's defensively, uh, whether it's offensively, or, you know, we almost have to beg him to, to shoot. And now we... Now we now I feel like he's had his best week this season because he's shooting the ball and he's being really aggressive and you know and uh, and it's just you know every single night whether he makes threes or he doesn't his his impact on our team is uh has been great and uh, I mean for myself especially you know being able to have someone that uh, is always looking for me and looking to find me uh, it really has my confidence and and I think he. You know, he's, he's doing that with every single one of us. And he really helped the team, you know, uh, kind of like stay together in a way. And um, and and, uh, and defensively, you know, it's just, it's just tough. So it's, uh, you know, that mindset that we want to have every single night. And uh, it's, been, uh, it's been great for us. Follow-up from Thanks, Sarah. Rudy. Rudy, how's your hip? <laughs> How's my hip? Uh, it's better, you know, that, that little extra day was, was good. Um, you know, I think it should be better even tomorrow. So, you know, just, uh, just a bad bruise, you know, and, uh, just want to make sure that it doesn't impact, you know, uh, the rest of the, the body. And it's all about, you know, trying to just fight through it and, uh, and it's going to get better and better. Last questions from David Locke. Rudy, you guys haven't been quite right offensively in the first quarter of games, yet that same group in the third quarter is really good. Um, what is that difference recently? It's a good question. I think, um, you know, I think our, we need to find a way to start again better. And uh, I think against the Raptors, we, we had a great, you know, defensive start, 
offensively, I felt like we're getting good shots. Uh, just, they just didn't fall, you know. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of starting the game uh, and playing the right way, you know, not overthink, uh, try to be aggressive and and unselfish. And uh, and uh, for me, the, the 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 big focus for us is really to to start the game uh, the right way defensively, because when you once again, when you when we start the right way defensively, uh, we're able to score off our defense, and uh, and it really you know it really helps our our flow offensively, and uh, and it's the same for the other team. You know, usually when we start the game uh, uh, a little soft defensively, the other guys get confidence, and and then it makes it harder on us the whole game. So it's really uh, you know try to try to play the right way offensively, and uh, and more importantly, try to start the game with toughness and. Uh, and really locked in defensively. There is Rudy Gobert as the uh, Utah Jazz get ready to play, play the Bulls tonight. You hear that game right here on The Zone. Now, the Jazz then will be back home, and uh, it's like 11 or 14 at home, something crazy like that. They've got the Brooklyn Nets Wednesday, the Grizzlies Friday and Saturday. The game is really, really coming fast and furious now. And, you know, the race, they're two games in front of the Suns. Suns beat the Lakers last night. The Lakers, you know, LeBron going down with that sprained ankle looked bad. He had a guy falling into him, and he, the ankle rolled in, not out. Uh, we've all probably sprained our ankles doing something played basketball, but, you know, maybe playing another sport or, I don't know, clumsy on the stairs or the curb or whatever. Uh, it looked bad, and LeBron didn't like to show pain. He showed a lot of pain, so <laughs> I think that was bad. Lakers seeing a definite amount of time. LeBron wants to make it as little time as possible. So is that two weeks? Is that four? Is that six? The Lakers aren't saying anything at this point, so we'll see how it plays out. Eight weeks left in the season. Uh, regular season ends eight weeks from yesterday. So he's got time to get healthy before the playoffs, and I think they're the one team where it really doesn't matter what they're seated. They got LeBron, and nobody else has got LeBron. You know, the Nets have three very good players, you know, two MVPs, uh, two guys who won championships, right? Three championships, two for Durant and one for Kyrie. And uh, Harden and Durant have been MVPs. So, you know, they're loaded, they're talented, but nobody's got a LeBron. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, we can take a break when we come back. BYU football, Aaron Roderick meeting with the media as the Cougars spring practice starts to wind down. It wraps up this week, end of this week. We'll get to that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. BYU's got their spring game coming up at the end of the week. How is the offense progressing? They're sending a quarterback to the draft. they got to find a new quarterback. they got a, a new offensive coordinator, although as transitions go, I think this would be as minor as possible. I mean, Grimes is gone and Roderick's in, but Roderick was there running the passing game and he's been an offensive coordinator before. Two different stints for a total of four years at the U. As PK points out famously, he won 39 games. So I think as transitions go, it's about as smooth as it can get. Here is Aaron Roderick. Yeah, Aaron, I'll start you off on an easy one. How are the quarterbacks looking so far in spring? <laughs> um, good. Um, we, you know, we, 
we have four guys taking reps right now, which um, isn't easy. But I feel like uh, you know we're getting into this into the deep into spring ball now, where they're starting to sort of uh, accumulate enough reps that we're starting to get a good idea of who who each one of these guys are. And um, but we're still very much in the process of evaluating them. When it comes to evaluating guys in spring versus, say, training camp coming up in August, are there differences or is it kind of the same process, just the early part of that process? Um, spring and training camp are fairly similar. Um, I would say maybe the only difference being in spring, you're really giving reps to a lot of, a lot of players at other positions as well, where you're kind of trying to find out who some of your younger guys are and develop them, bring them along. Um, where in training camp, you, you know, after that probably first week of training camp, you're, you're more zeroing in on the guys that are going to play for you. And so that, that, that would probably be, I, I think the exit execution level in, in fall camp usually goes up a little bit, you know, it's just as you zero in more on who's going to play and those guys get reps of playing together. So that can help the quarterback sometimes, but um, they're very similar. Aaron, on the quarterback uh, competition, uh, sometimes there's a you know strategic advantage between for for not naming a starter before the first game. Do you buy into that, or or do you prefer to not have it as as a distraction and just say, hey, this is going to be the guy we're going to move forward here? Yeah, I think there's value in that for sure. And now if, if one of the guys just clearly without question is just so obviously the guy that there's no way the secret's not going to get out, then that's, you know, that's silly. But when you have a good competition and, you know, there, there's different differences between the guys, uh, definitely. Why would you, why would you let your opponent know which one, which one it's going to be and be prepared for that guy? I mean, so I'm not saying that that's my plan, but um, if it takes that long to decide, then that is a bonus for sure. So you're saying you're probably going to be fielding quarterback questions up until game, um, game week, like likely just, you know, just so you're aware. It's possible. I mean, it's possible. I'm not, again, that's not part of my strategy, but it is possible. And if the battle is really, really tight all the way up to, to the game, then I do think there's, there's something to that. And I know there is, cause I've coached with defensive coaches that are trying to guess well, which quarterback are we going to see? What's what style of play is it going to be? And, and uh, so, um, but if one of the guys clearly becomes the guy and, you know, when those things happen, the word gets out. Right. So if, if that happens, then it'll happen. But so far it's been a really tight battle. <laughs> Coach, I wanted to ask you a little bit of a different question because it's now March Madness. Who were maybe some of the best basketball players either on the coaching staff or some of the players on the team when you guys hoop it up and do some pickup ball? Me. I'm the best basketball player on the staff, and it's not close. Um, so, yeah, that's it. And nobody else – just kidding. Harvey's a good player. Kalani's not a bad basketball player, actually. Uh I haven't seen everybody play though, but I can still shoot. That's all I do now. I don't play. I don't play anymore though. I just shoot with my kid in the backyard. It's like Steph Curry out there just cooking from from three. 
yeah, no, I can't, I don't play at all anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but there are some pretty good basketball players on our coaching staff. Yeah. And I think Harvey definitely is the best one. Uh, with on, on the football side of things with, with the quarterback battle, how is, um, Jaron Hall, like, you know, coming in, he was fully healthy. How is he, uh, where have you seen maybe growth in his game now that he's healthy again? He looks better every day. So he's, he's, you're, the, the health is everything with him. He is, he's had a tough time staying healthy. Uh, but when he's been available to us, he's played well. So that's the whole deal with him. And the first practice or two, I would say he was a little rusty. Uh, he hadn't played football in a full, in a, in a year. And the last time he played was, you know, we got five practices last spring and that was the last time he actually played. So the first couple of practices of this spring, he was a little rusty just the, the speed of the game was maybe a little quick for him at first um, but he looked good like physically and so you know when you're as talented as he is just each day he looks a little better a little better and I feel like uh, you know we're today was practice 11 and the last three days uh, he's looked like a veteran player out there and he's doing a good job Hey, Coach, so kind of moving away from March Madness and spring ball, uh, looking ahead to the NFL draft, uh, this is arguably the best draft class BYU has had in about 20 years. What do you think has contributed to that success, and is it something that BYU will be able to continue in the future, or is it like a one-off type of situation? No, I, I mean, I don't I don't know how many guys we're going to have every year or even this year, but uh, it's definitely part of our recruiting strategy is we are trying to recruit players who have NFL ability and who have NFL goals. We, we want a team full of guys that have a goal to play in the NFL. And, and especially in, in the quarterback room, I'm not interested in any quarterbacks that don't at least want to get there. I mean, not everybody will, but that should be their that should be an important goal of theirs if they want to play QB for me. And so we're trying to recruit players at every position that have a chance. And then, uh, you know, if you keep, if you keep uh, getting enough players that have the raw material, then, you know, you're bound to, you do a good job developing them, then you're bound to have some draft picks at some point. And I think that you're going to see more in the next few years. Um, and it's been, it's been a big focus in our recruiting and our development. And what can you say about this year's BYU draft class and what makes them special? Like why you were able to have so many guys um, be able to declare for the NFL draft? Well, it just starts with good coaches that recruited them. I mean, you know, it's recruiting. Recruiting is huge. Identifying guys, you know, at a a young age that you think are going to develop, you know, and it's not always the five-star national recruit that's coming to BYU. And so, but seeing, you know, the guys that were involved in recruiting, you know, Brady Christensen, for example, I mean, he was a, you know, that was, that was a great job by all, everyone involved in recruiting him and then everybody involved in developing him and he was an undersized guy that was super athletic and there were some coaches here that saw a vision of what he was going to be in five years and you can say that about Dax Milne and and Zach and uh, you know a bunch of other guys and you know of course Kyrus was a you know he was a pretty pretty highly recruited guy as well but um 
uh, or, you know, pretty well known fry from the start, but so I wouldn't, maybe he doesn't count in that category of being under recruited, but, um, it starts with recruiting and then development. And then of course, each one of those guys just, you can, you could, you could find just individual characteristics in each one of them that they were driven guys that wanted to be great. And we gotta, we gotta keep it up. We gotta keep finding those guys. All right, let's take a follow-up from Jared, Mitch, and Jake. Aaron, I wanted to ask about um, whether you're seeing differences. You've been working with Jeff Grimes for a long time, and I was just wondering if it's if it's a unique new approach that uh, Coach Funk's bringing in with the offensive line or if it's following a lot of the same things that uh, Coach Grimes did. Um, a little bit of both. He's coach funk's a very different different personality different approach but uh one thing i really have enjoyed about him is that he he knew that we have a good offense and a good system already established and he came in and did not change a single word for the offensive lineman i mean all the line calls that those guys make all the play calls the, all the techniques we use i mean he came in and learned our stuff and I've worked uh, with coaches in the past who struggle with that and want to come in and establish their own system and make the players learn something new, make, you know, make them learn their deal. And he, he came in and learned ours. And so I have a lot of respect for him for that. He's coached so many different places and been in so many different systems that um, there, you know, there really hasn't been an issue or a problem that's come up where he hasn't been able to say, well, when I was at this school, we handled that problem like this. And when I was at this other school, we handled it this way. And he's got like three solutions to every problem that have come up so far. He's, he's very, very good coach. Um, but similar to Grimey, I mean, Grimey, same thing. Grimey was such a veteran guy. He had answers for everything as well. So um, that's, and that was important. I wanted a veteran guy who, who's been around the block like Grimey has. And, and so personality wise, they're different, but experience wise and, and, and all that is very similar. And then just Daryl, I thought he's just his, I don't know what the word is, but uh, humility to just come in and pick up the ball. He's, he's like, Hey, this isn't broke let's let's not change anything let's keep rolling so he's he's learned our stuff and i think the players appreciate that the other thing i wanted to ask just really quick was what area do you feel like needs the most improvement for this offense to to be at its best when we get to the games well i don't know if there's a specific area of improvement but i think there's a lot to prove about players who have left holes to fill you know, I think we were a very balanced team last year. We could run it. We could throw it. Um, we were good in, on third downs. We were good in the red zone. You know, we did a lot of good things, but some good players left. And so somebody, some, some, you know, in the case of the quarterback, it's going to have to be a, a, a person. In the case of, like, Dax losing Dax Milne or Matt Bushman or somebody, it doesn't always have to just be one guy. It could be a couple of guys, but – we need players to step up and fill fill those shoes, man. We need someone to play left tackle. Brady Christensen's gone, you know, and, and Zach Wilson's gone, and guys have to step up and fill those spots. So it's not necessarily areas of the offense. It's just who are those individuals going to be that – that step up. I think I have a lot of confidence in the, in our depth and I think we'll, we'll find the right people, but that's the deal. Okay. 
coach, do, do you, uh, now that you're the offense coordinator and there's one less offensive coach on the staff, do you have the ability to, you know, work with some of the other position groups ever, or is it just solely focused on the quarterback at all times? I'm with the quarterbacks all the time, but we have portions of practice every day where we're working with other position groups. So, um, so yeah, I still get, I still get a good amount of work with the other groups, but at the same time, I have a lot of trust in our staff. So I don't feel like I have to, I don't, I don't necessarily need to, uh, you know, I'm not, not looking over anybody's shoulder or anything. We've, we've been together now for a while and we have a good system in place and everybody knows it and um so but yeah we every day we have you know periods of practice where i'm working with the tight ends working with the running backs working with the receivers sometimes combinations of those groups working together getting certain areas of our passing game or our run game worked out um you know we spend a lot of time every day working on blitz, uh you know blitz pickup and pass protection things with the o-line and the backs and the tight ends and so there's there's tons of cross over um, amongst those groups and chances to interact with the guys who coach those positions. Aaron, when it comes to Zach, obviously the pre-draft process, he is all over the place. Headlines everywhere. I just wanted to ask you, how many conversations have you had with NFL personnel? Uh, I'm just talking more about specifically since the season ended in this lead up to the draft. Too many to count. I mean, it, it it got exhausting for a while. I was there was a the minute there where I was like I'm, I'm spending so much time on it. It was kind of eating into my job time here. Um, I'm happy to do it, of course, for him. I'm proud of him, happy for him. But yeah, a lot of teams. He's there's a lot of teams that like him. I know that. I don't I don't know when he's gonna go, but I know there's a lot of teams that really like him. And just kind of building off that, obviously you was you being the passing game coordinator, you had your hand across all the positions from last year. Have you had conversations about guys like Brady and some of the other players that are in this draft class, Dax, etc.? Yeah, sometimes not not every scout or every you know uh, management person or whoever I talk to. Not not all of them ask me about those guys. Some some ask me about all of them. Some of them just ask me about Zach. So that's more mixed. Um, but yeah, I've I've had conversations about all of our offensive players with with uh, various teams, and then I think I've talked to almost everybody about Zach. Last thing for me, I just wanted to ask you real quick. You guys are going to have that open practice next Friday. Actually have fans out there. Are you excited to have fans back in the stands, just have a little fun out there on the field again? Yes, and I just I want to say right now I wish our our uh, our depth and our injury situation was a little more suited to actually have a spring game. You know, we two years ago we had one over at Provo High that was really fun. It was it wasn't probably wasn't the best football game in the world, but it was fun. We split up into teams and we played a spring game and we had a good time doing it. It was entertaining. Entertaining. Uh, we wanted to do something like that. I don't think it's going to be possible, though. We're just we got O linemen, a couple of guys that have had some injuries, and we got to be smart about getting to the season healthy. So we're probably it's probably going to be more of a practice, but you'll still see a good amount of football, offense against defense, some scrimmaging. Uh, we'll throw the ball around, and everybody can everybody can uh, you know 
email me and DM me their opinions of our quarterbacks. I'm sure I'll get a whole bunch of those, and uh, that'll be great. There's BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Crazy weekend of NCAA basketball. The Jazz are back at it tonight. LeBron's hurt. Stay with us.